0: You know, I, I looked at our, our, our year coming up, and, and God spoke to us that this would be our year of purpose, and that He has designed this church to do something powerful and something magnificent for Him. And we are here uh, in this place so that we could reach people for Jesus Christ. And so our purpose here is to preach the gospel in such a way that it turns a non-Christian into a convert or somebody who believes in Jesus. And then from there, they're discipled. And then they become a fruitful, matured leader who does the very same thing and goes out into the world to reach others for Jesus. That's what our purpose is. And that's what we're designed to do. In a nutshell, we're here to reach people far from God. Now we, as Christians, someone did that for us. Remember when we were far from God, when we didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how life was? Somebody did that for us. And it's our time now to rise up and be those people to reach out to others. And that's our purpose. And today we're going to be continuing in our series, The Best Start Ever. And we're going to talk a little bit about purpose. We all have a purpose. We are designed to do something magnificent for God. Amen. This past Wednesday we had our worship service and our, our we usually kick off the year in worship to God. And a word of the Lord was given to us as a church and as individual people. And the word was this, that if we steward well what God has given to us, then we will be a generation that lives for Him. If we steward well what God has given to us, then we will be a generation that lives for Him. In whatever capacity He's given you, that kind of uh, stewardship. As a husband, you are to steward your family well, your, your spouse well. Uh, in the position you're in at, at your workplace, you're to steward that position well. Uh, in school, steward your, your work well, your schoolwork. Steward yourself well as a student. Uh, In serving here at the church, steward that position well. And then we'll be a generation that lives for Him. So there's there's things that God is doing and, and things that He's doing on purpose. And that's why we're here. We're not here just to attend church and then go home and then that's it. We all have a purpose, a calling. And God gave us an assignment as individuals but also as a church. Have you ever used something that it was not intended to be used for, like tools? You know, I grew up without having a, a you know, vast array of tools, so we had to do what we could with what we had. And I'm sure some of you do the same thing, or or maybe you're lazy to go and get the screwdriver. So a screwdriver you use as a butter knife, right? You use that as a screwdriver, or you use your thumbnail as you know, as quick, you don't need to go to the garage, and so you use your thumbnail. Uh, and you use the butter knife also to pick o pihi, not pick o pu. You pick o pihi with it, you use it for that. Oh, poo his stomach, anyway, never mind. Uh, and some of, some of us will use like other tools as hammers, like a crescent wrench. You don't want to go all the way back to get the hammer, you use it, you use the crescent wrench. And I remember growing up without too many tools, so we had to use whatever we could, and we would substitute whatever we could for like a hammer. Remember those, uh, the women would have those uh, wooden shoes? I think they were called clogs. Yeah, we called them katonks, because when mom would spank us or hit us in the head, it would go katunk. So that we thought that was the name. And so you would use that as a hammer also. And by the time I met Heidi, her dad had twos galore. I mean, he had, he had every two known to mankind. So when I would be working with him, I met him when I was 12. I, you know, Heidi and I met when I was 12, she was 13. So he would say, hey, pass the hammer. I'm like, use this. And he's like, this is not the hammer. I said, but you can use it? And it's like a ratchet set or something. And he said, but that's that's not what it was designed to be used for. And I remember thinking that, wait a minute. So then there's certain things that God has designed us for. And sometimes we'll substitute even God's purpose for our life with something else, thinking that that's what will bring us life's satisfaction. And now we're in a place where sometimes we think, well, is this not what God's intended purpose was for my life? I mean, I know Jesus Christ, so does this not mean that I'm blessed? Well, think about it this way. Even though we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can still fall prey to substitutions of even the Son of God. That we think, well, does not Jesus want me to be happy? And instead of us following Jesus, we follow our own desires and our own heart. And then we say, but this, I think this is what He wants for me. I think or I know. Is this what God wants for my life? Because He created me with a purpose. And sometimes I manufacture my own purpose away from God to make me happy regardless of the consequences. And God says, that's not what I designed you for. I designed you to have a fruitful, matured life, a life that is meaningful, and a life built with purpose. See, God has promises for us. But with every promise comes His purpose. And if I don't fulfill His purpose, I don't receive His promises. Now, in our world today, we, we are struggling with so many different financial crisis, uh, nations going bankrupt, and uh, huge corporations gone with people's money. Our own government struggling with different uh, uh, laws that they're trying to put into place. We're reaping some consequences of, of decisions that were made years ago. And if you look at the Middle East, all the wars that are taking place, a lot of that and a lot of what we see happening today can be traced back to a decision that was made to take matters into their own hands instead of following God's promises and His purpose. And we're going to look at the life of Abraham. Now Abraham, his name was Abram before God changed his name to Abraham. And when God changed His name, there were certain things that God gave to Him as a purpose to live by. And we're going to find out how they kind of manipulated God's purpose and and changed it up to fulfill their needs and what they wanted. And today, we're reaping the catastrophic consequences in what we see. And so I'm going to be in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Abram is given a promise by God, but he takes matters into his own hands, and we're going to see how he did that. Have you ever took matters into your own hands, thinking you could control what is uncontrollable, which is what we call life? Well, Abraham did that. And so now we're reaping the consequences. I don't know if you were reading the news, but last year with the... Uh, I think it was Mohammed Bouazizi with the Arab Spring and the protesting that's been going on, Occupy Wall Street and all of that. Everything that we see taking place can be traced all the way back to this story that we're going to talk about. In Genesis 12, I'll read from verses 1 through 5. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your fathers, from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make your great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. That was his nephew. Now Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his nephew and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came to the land of Canaan. Now their whole purpose was to enter the land of Canaan. That was the promised land that God spoke to them, which is today Israel. Well, they're far east in, in the land of Ur, where God says, Abraham, get out of your country and go to the promised land. Well, they leave Ur of the Chaldeans. They go up northeast, uh, excuse me, northwest to a place called Haran because they couldn't go straight across the desert or they would die. They had rivers along the way and they could survive this route. So they go to Haran, but the problem is, Abraham's father, Terah, settles there and starts to worship other gods other idols. And God says, you leave your family. What they're doing is not right. You continue on into the Promised Land. And so Abram does. Now, fast-forward the tape a little bit. God's promise to Abram was that through his descendants, he would become the father of many nations. He changes Abram's name to Abraham, and that he would be blessed, have a great name, and be a blessing to the rest of the world. The problem was that Abraham had no children at that time. And his wife Sarai, who now became Sarah, God changes her name, she was barren. So she could not have children. Well, Abraham and Sarah takes matters into their own hands. Sarah gets her maidservant, Hagar, and then becomes the substitution for the promise of God. And Sarah says, well, maybe because I can't have children, maybe God's promise is supposed to come through our maidservant. And so Sarah gives her to Abraham, her husband, and says, Now maybe we can have children through her. But that's not what God said. God said, Through you, Abraham and Sarah, will become all your descendants. But well, they tried to substitute something else that wasn't of God. And so now they have to deal with the consequences. And when we try to take matters into our own hands, we think we can control the impossible, which is called life. Well, they get their firstborn through their maidservant, Hagar, and Ishmael is born, who begins the Muslim religion. And Ishmael is born, and then 13 years later, God's promise comes to pass through Sarah. She conceives, and Isaac is born. Now that Isaac is born, now it seems as if Abraham and Sarah got back on track, and they said, "'Okay, God, this was Your promise.'" Now here's where the conflict comes in. God's promise to Abraham was that he would be a father to many nations, that his descendants would have this promised land. Here's the problem. Ishmael became the firstborn, but it wasn't through the promise that God said so, Isaac was. So now you have these two warring families that we're still dealing with today. It's interesting that we can trace a lot of what's happening today all the way back to a promise that God said with a person who substituted what was not intended to be there. And they made a decision that now we're reaping catastrophic consequences. You see these different religions that come about. You see wars happen as a result of religion. And it's interesting, a lot of religions believe in the same God. They believe in the same God, but they don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Through the lineage of Isaac comes Jesus Christ. That's a promise of God. And so now you still have this conflict, oh, same God, but some will believe in this and that. And not in Jesus Christ. Oh, we believe He's a... We believe He's a good teacher. We believe He's a good person. We believe he He's a prophet of God. But we don't believe He was the Son of God. Can you see the danger in that? He's the Son of God. He is who He says He is. And even as Christians, sometimes we miss that. We think, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. Even the devil does. Yeah, but I, I believe in God. Even the devil does. But he does not follow God nor Jesus Christ. He is not the devil's Lord and Savior. My question is, am I living on purpose for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the call that He has on my life? See, we all have that purpose that ties in to Jesus Christ. Decades ago, we could probably survive as a a people based on worldly principles. Like, you could get by with worldly principles and, and feel happy. Not today. We've come to a place in age where you can't even rely on your bank statements. You can't rely on financial institutions, nor can you rely on massive corporations. Jesus said it like this, if you build your life on the rock, which is Him, if you build your life on the rock, the rains come, the storms come, but you know what? Your life will not crumble because you're built on the rock. And how often, even in the past couple of years, we've seen worlds collide, topple and fall, and people go with it. Because they weren't built on the solid rock. He said, or you can build on the shifting sands, and then when these, when the rains come, the storms hit, finances go down, worlds collide, wars happen, everything is gone. Why? Because your life is built on sand. And he says, that's not the purpose in which I designed you. I designed you so that you would have a purpose to build your life on solid rock. And that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to discover some truths that would, will help us to live on purpose. Not just leave everything up to chance, but we're also going to unpack why it's so important to do so. In Romans 15 verse 4, it's in your notes and you can take that out. By the way, just to remind you, our, our, our Sunday mornings we have our notes with us, and some of us think that those notes are for us, us as Christians, and they are. But they're more designed for new people. Because when we invite our family and friends, it gives them a way to follow along and to track, and there's Scripture there. Sometimes we won't bring our Bible, but that's why we have the Scriptures in there. And that's what it's designed for. That's the purpose of our notes. It's mainly for our new people. Now, we'll still use it as people who attend church, and we take notes, and that's great. But I can, I can prove to you that it's really not designed for the person that is a Christian. How many of you guys fill in the blanks before we even start the message? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Be honest. Yeah, some of you do, because you kind of like, I, I kind of want to see if this is the right answer for it. But it's really not designed for us. We take notes so that we remember. That's a part of it. But in our year of purpose, we want to do everything on purpose. And our intention here on Sunday morning is to partner with you in your attempts to reach new people, your family and your friends, people far from God. And so when you take out your notes and you didn't bring a new person, just think to yourself, Lord, who could I pray for that I can bring next week? Who could? Who are you trying to reach? Somebody did that for us. But in Romans 15, 14, this is... This is This is like the foundation of why we have our scriptures. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, why do the scriptures give us hope? Why do we need it? Because every one of us has a purpose. The question is, am I living on purpose or leaving everything up to chance? Am I, leaving thing, am I just leaving everything up to, well, whatever happens, happens? Or am I saying, Lord, I'm going to live my life on purpose in who You designed me to be. I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm going to do what You've called me to do. Number one, here's the truth, that God's purpose in my life is based on what's good for me. Whenever He has a purpose for us, a plan for us, it's for our good. I cannot continue to make choices that feel good to me, but what's best for me. That's how I live God's purpose in my life. And when I can accept what's good for me, it now feels good to me. Because I'm in I'm accomplishing God's purpose. In other words, I begin to live on purpose. It's like eating. If you eat what you feel like eating, you find yourself at the doctor's office or trying to look for a fast weight loss program. That's called Christmas and New Year season. And instead of making choices based on how we feel, hoping good will catch up, I think it's time for us to choose what's good for us and then let our feelings catch up. Because it may not it may not feel good in the beginning, but it's good for us. It's like coming to church, oh, I don't feel like it, but then when you come to church it's like God is speaking only to you. If that's how good He is, why? Because it's good for me. may not feel good at the time, but it's good for me. And then our feelings catch up later. Sometimes we have it backwards, where we substitute things in life, and we say, well, God, You just want me to be happy, right? And He says, no, I want what's good for You. Because God does what is good. Well, Abraham is called to leave his home country and his family because of idol worship. And even though it was tough to do, Abraham knew he had a purpose. And that he wasn't designed and the promise of God wasn't just for he and his family, but for generations to come. Isn't that interesting? What they did back then, we're dealing with it today. Worldwide. There's so much tension there in the Middle East that, like one wrong move, world war. It's that, it's that tense. And God's promise was for you and your descendants, and that's God's promise to us. It's not just for you and I today, but it's for our descendants and those who follow us. Look at how Deuteron- excuse me, Isaiah puts it, Isaiah 30, verses 20 through 22. It says, Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, He will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, Good riddance! It's like you're saying, my old life, gone. Why? Because I have a purpose for living. The old things that I used to do, gone. Why? Because I am not gonna do that anymore. That's not who God designed me to be. I have a purpose for living. It's not just for me, but it's for my son, my daughter, my children, and their children's children. It's for our descendants. When we receive communion, when Jesus was with His disciples and He told them that this is a brand new covenant, you know what He was saying? He was letting His disciples know that there is a purpose for Him going to the cross. In fact, we're going to receive communion right now and the ushers, you can go ahead and pass out the juice and the bread and and hang on to them and then we'll receive them together. But while they're passing it out, just still pay attention a little bit and and as best as possible. But in this process where Jesus was with His disciples and, and giving them some instruction, what He was telling them is, okay, there were some things that were done long ago. But now it's a brand new covenant. And when Jesus came, He came with a purpose. And what He said is, I'm going to make all things new. Yes, Abraham and and Sarah, they they made a decision, they took matters into their own hands, but I'm, I'm going to make all things new. That's why He said this is a new covenant. It's a brand new day. But then the Bible says, when we receive communion, it says, let a person examine themselves. And in doing so, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're going to ask the Lord to examine us and to show us some things that we could be doing so that we could hit the purpose in God's intention for our life. That we would continue to be on that way, that journey, on the purpose and promise that God has for us. Because after a while, when we, if we don't examine ourselves and if we, if we just go by what life brings us, after a while we'll feel like, wait a minute, I'm so far from God, I'm off track. This is who He called me to be. This is who I am in Him. And so we need times like this to examine ourselves. And you may think, well, I don't want to examine because what if there's something wrong? Let me put it this way. Before you go to the doctors, there's a fear that they might find something wrong. Let's just say, oh, you got to do a follow-up, and you're saying, oh, great, what is it? Well, we we just need to do an examination to make sure everything's good. Now, we'll have that fear because they can't or might not be able to fix what's wrong inside of us. So we have that fear. Imagine if the doctors had every possible solution to make sure we're healthy, 100%. They could heal anything. And then they said, hey, we just needed to do an examination just in case there's anything in there, we could fix it. I'm sure we would would be joyful. We would say, yeah, sure, go find whatever it is and fix it, because you can. Whatever pill or whatever you need to do, let's do that. Well, we have that fear because we liken examination unto God as examination unto doctors. And sometimes doctors can fix, but sometimes the fear sets in because they can't fix. And so we hesitate going to God, but God is the healer. He's the one that can find things inside of us, whatever issues we have, and then He says, but I can heal you. That's the difference. Therefore, don't fear when God says, examine oneself. Come to Him with open hearts. An open life and say, Lord, whatever it is inside of me, you want to fix because you have a purpose for my life. And I want to live on purpose. I don't just want to just live life by whatever happens and by chance. I want to make sure that I'm living on purpose. And that your promise and your purpose for my life is fulfilled in you. And so if the ushers are uh, finished passing them out, we're going to pray together. And as we pray, just ask the Lord, what are some things, Lord, that you want me to work on? Don't look at the person next to you and say, Lord, what do you want them to work on? I can help. Just say, Lord, what what do you want me to work on? What are some things that you're doing in my heart? And then we'll let the Lord do what He does best. And He brings healing. We're going to pray, okay? Well, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You right now and. And as we receive communion together, we know that, that it's all about a restoration, a healing process, but also in remembrance of You, that what You have done for us and all that You continue to do, that You have a purpose for us. And so, Lord, I pray right now that as we examine our lives, that whatever shows up, that we would bring that to You so that You could bring restoration, healing, value, and a vibrant life that is lived for You Show us, Lord, how we can be better for You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus came to His disciples and He said, You know, this bread that I'm giving to you, this is my body which has been broken for you. And in in, in Jesus' worst time on the cross, He still thought of you and I. Do you take the bread together? And then he said, this cup is the new covenant. It's no longer in stone, like how the Ten Commandments were. He said, it is now written in my blood. And he says, every time you do this, remember what I've done. And he shed his blood for you and I so that we could live on purpose. We need him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. You take the cup together. Now, this can become a little chaotic, but the ushers are going to uh, collect the cups, okay? And stay focused as best as possible as they collect the cups. But it's a time where we remember what Jesus has done. And Jesus does everything for our good. He does everything so that good happens in our lives. It's for our good. Not to just make us feel good. Those will catch up later. But it's for our good. Amen? Hey, number two, let's go on to number two. And here's what helps us in this purpose. And this is what we just did is to reestablish my foundation in the Lord. This is how we live our purpose for God. It's to reestablish our foundation in the Lord and come to the realization that it's our foundation in the Lord that keeps us on course with his purpose for our lives. And just as life can take a downward spiral when I take matters into my own hands. It can also be the most joyful, strengthened, successful life when I put my life and reestablish my foundation in the Lord. He's the only one who can do that. Before we knew Jesus, boy, life was chaotic. I remember before I came to know Christ, I just did what I knew and felt. Whatever I thought was right, okay, that's what I would do. I didn't grow up with a father, so I took shortcuts and conned my way out of things, lie out of things, and I figured that's the way to do things, because it worked best. But then I began to understand that God created me to do good works. But I didn't know how to do that, because I was brought up differently. I didn't know these godly principles and morals and all these different standards that were good for me. So I found myself needing God and crying out to Him, looking for something that would satisfy my life, and had to gain footing for my life, but I knew that the way I was doing it wasn't working. The old way wasn't working, so I had to reestablish my life in Jesus Christ. I had to reestablish my foundation, but no longer in the ways of the world, but in the Lord. And that changed the trajectory of my life. It changed my family. And I believe it'll change that that course of my entire descendants' lives, where it could have went one way, but now it's going God's way. And sure, we'll, we'll stray from time to time, we've got to get back on track, but we're now living in the promises of God, better than when I would be in the world. It doesn't work. As great as God's promises for our lives. Reestablish your commitments, your dedication. Even coming this new year, some of us made the commitment. I know it's a big one. We said, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible every day. Every day. Then the next day, oh, I'm tired. I'll read it this afternoon. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, i got to work. Oh, nighttime, I read. It. And we fall asleep. And then we get back the next day. Oh, I'm going to read it every day. And that's great. Why? Because we're reestablishing our foundation in the Lord. Some of us will say, you know, I'm going to attend Wednesday nights. I heard it's a little bit different. We're digging deep. We're bringing our Bibles. And it's called Wednesday Equip. And that's what it's for. It's for us to continue to grow in the Lord, to be equipped by Him, so that we can accomplish the purpose in our lives. So if that's something that you feel, boy, that would establish my foundation in the Lord, be here on Wednesday night. And we're going to go through some Scripture together and some some wonderful teaching. But bring your Bible. Even on Sunday mornings, bring your Bible to church because it's the Scriptures, through perseverance, gives us hope and it helps us to learn and grow. And when we say, Lord, I want to establish my foundation in You, then He strengthens us. He surrounds us with wonderful things, even helps us along the way so that we could accomplish the purpose in our lives. Sometimes we'll take shortcuts and and we won't be purposeful in what we do. God says, no, you made the commitment with me long ago you said, I accept you as my Lord and Savior but you've been living as Savior me as your Savior in your life, more than you do Lord and in order for me to accomplish his promises, I must be purposeful in having Jesus as my Lord, that what he says is good for me, it's best for me it reestablishes a solid foundation for my life Otherwise, we'll take shortcuts. We'll make substitutions. We'll make substitutions in our family. We'll make substitutions in our marriages, in our finances, in our workplace. But once we say yes to Jesus Christ, now we're more purposeful in our family, more purposeful in our marriages, more purposeful with our finances, in our time. I remember when I received Christ, I had to be more purposeful in my vocabulary. I had to change the way I was talking. Too many cuss words were coming out, like naturally coming out. And I said, I can't do that anymore. That's not me anymore, that's the old person. I had to reestablish some principles, what I watched, who I hung around with, my time, where my time went, what occupied my heart. Even the plans that I had for my own life, I had to reestablish that in the foundation of the Lord. And He gave me better plans. And you know what is cool about this? Is that even the plans that I had for myself, I thought that I thought were good. And I said, no, nope, God, Your plans. There's still a lot of things that I love to do that I thought was this plan, but it's now in the Lord. Like, it's a whole lot better than the plans that I had for myself. And some of you would agree to that for the plans that God has for you, that you're living them out. You're saying, boy, this is way better than what I would plan for myself. Some you are at a place that's saying, i got to get back on track. Listen, the Lord will not leave you. He will be with you. That's what He promises. Oh, we must live on purpose. Proverbs 19:21 it says many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And Abraham, they had to once again reestablish his foundation in the Lord and come to the realization that his plan and purpose for himself would only reap catastrophic consequences. So he said to Sarah, wait a minute, this is not this is not the promised child. We got to get back on track and God said, here's your promised child. It'll be an Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, where we have the nation of Israel. And he reestablished his foundation in the Lord. And because Abraham believed, it was accounted to him as righteousness. It's possible with God to get back on track for His promise for your life. Because it's God. Who made the promise. It's not a person. It's the Spirit of the living God. And it was through Isaac that his descendants were born, where Jesus Christ was born through. And although the Holy Spirit was the one that overshadowed Mary, it was through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that we have our Savior. And when I reestablish my foundation in the Lord... And His ways become My ways. His promises become My promises. His purpose becomes My purpose. See, the devil doesn't care if you believe in God or not, so long you don't obey the voice of Jesus. And when we establish our foundation in the Lord, now we're putting matters back into His hands. When we take matters into our own hands, we try to control what is uncontrollable, Life. He says, it's time for you to come back to me. For I know the plans that I have for you. They're for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Because number three, and you can write this in, God gives us purpose with a promise. And the promise to Abraham was that he would be a father of many nations. But he didn't trust in the Lord. Tried it himself. Instead of taking matters into his... uh, taking matters, letting God take control over things. He took matters into His own hands and we do the same thing. And God says, No, the purpose that I have for you must be with me. Instead of taking shortcuts now, we follow through with God's purpose for our life. But this only happens when I choose to follow the voice of Jesus in which God purposed for us to know Him and to believe in Him. And it's in Jesus that all the promises of God are fulfilled. It's in Him, and through Him, and by Him, and unto Him that we see all that is created. God's purpose in Christ is bigger than us. Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them." Aren't you glad that we have a God who gives us the best start ever, but He doesn't leave us when we leave Him? That He continues on the course of our purpose for life because that was His promise to us. That's how wonderful God is. My encouragement to all of us today is to live on purpose. Every day, live on purpose. Get back to the heart of God and watch what He does. Amen. And close your Bible and put away your notes. I want to close with this story, and it you may have heard this before, but I, I think it speaks volumes to us, and it, it'll help us to remember how one decision can, can affect our descendants and even the world. And it's a study of two American families that were studied for many years. One was the Max Jukes family, the other was the Jonathan Edwards family. And what was discovered is very interesting. Max Jukes was a man who did not believe in God or strong principles of right and wrong. Well, he married a woman just like himself. More than 1,200 of their descendants were studied for several generations. Here's the result. 310 of his descendants became professional beggars. 440 died of sexually transmitted diseases. 130 were sent to prison. Seven of them for murder. Over 100 became alcoholics. 60 became professional thieves and robbers. And 190 became prostitutes. Only 20 learned a profession. And 10 of them learned it in prison. That was his descendants. Jonathan Edwards, however, was a man who daily lived by the principles of Jesus Christ, and he chose to marry a woman who also had a personal relationship with Christ. Their descendants were studied over generations also. And here's the result. Three hundred of them became Christian ministers, missionaries, and theology professors. Over one hundred others became university professors. Another 100 became lawyers and attorneys, 30 became judges, 60 became medical doctors, and another 60 became writers of published popular books, 14 became presidents of universities, many others became successful business people, three became United States congressmen, and one became the, United, the pres, uh, vice president of the United States of America. Tell me, the decisions we make today do not affect our descendants tomorrow. It has huge consequences. The purpose that God designed us is bigger than ourselves. That's why we gather together so that we can get back on track with the Lord and who He designed us to be. And not just as individuals, but even as a church. You know, praying last year for this year in what God would do in this church, He said, this is our year of purpose. And in everything we do, We're going to do our very best to accomplish the purpose in which which God designed us. And it's to reach out to those who don't know Jesus Christ. There are many people that have yet to come to know Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's hard. You say, but when I invite people, it feels like I'm judging them. No, a judge is someone who puts himself in authority over someone to judge them. Not someone like me, a sinner, saying, hey, I know where... I know where we can find hope. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not a judgmental thing. It's an honor and a privilege to bring people to Jesus Christ to find hope. We'll gather together on a Sunday morning, and and did you know that when you step foot into the presence of God, that your identity is all in Him. It's not in your past but in the purpose in who He called you to be. Sometimes we'll come to church and we see each other, and for many years we've known each other, but we have no idea what each other's names are. We could have known each other for ten years, and and we'll see each other out there and in in the and at the plaza or eating somewhere, and we'll say… And someone will say, hi Pastor Sheldon, and I'll say, hey, hi man, uh, hey auntie, sister. But are we not the church? Should we not know each other by name? Now, easy for you. you just got to know me at one particular time. But look around you. There's hundreds of people. Why since come to church if we're just going to check in and check out without building relationships? I'd say at least start with our identity, with who God calls us to be. And we're a child of the King. And so to help with identity, we're going to reestablish some things in our year of purpose. And it's a thing we call name tags. Now I know some of you are thinking, oh man, I don't like wearing a name tag because I don't want nobody to know that I'm here. No, you do want people to know you. What better place for us to get to know each other than in a place of purpose? So I'm setting the example have a name tag. Now, I know if you go home, wash it, you forget it. It messes everything up. Your kids forget it. I understand all that. So let's just remember to take off the name tags. Husbands, take off your name tags before we wash the clothes. It's with a purpose. That we will call each other by name. All I got to learn is 1,700 people. That's all. But I have until eternity to do that. And so let's try that, okay? So our name tag... Uh, our greeters outside they're ready they're getting their sharpie pens and name tags filled so next week when you come don't dodge them just walk up to them and say my name is Sheldon I'll take a name tag and let's get to know each other by name this is the purpose of church don't give up the habit of meeting together so that we could have the best start ever would you pray with me Lord, we come to you today and thank you for being a God of purpose. You designed us in a a certain way. You designed us for relationship. You designed us to shine for you. You built this place so that we would be a city on a hill. You built us here for a reason. That we would shine as lights. Lord, as husbands, we want to accomplish the purpose that you designed us as husbands, that we would rise up. Lord, I pray for our women, our wives, that they would rise up to be the women you created them to be. It's not what other people say, it's what you say. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How wonderful are your works, and our soul knows that very well. I pray for us as a church, Lord, as a congregation, that we would be people who are not ashamed of You, but that we would reach people far from You. People that we pass by every day, that are living life without hope and purpose. Help us, Lord, to be people that shine Your light, that we may glorify You. Thank You for the volunteers here at this church that they serve day in and day out. that people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ the sacrifices that they make because they've said yes to the call I pray for our children Lord our little ones that they grow up to know you as Lord and Savior that our children would develop their faith in you our forerunners here at this church Lord that they have such a purpose as beyond us And I thank You for every person that serves, that every car that is parked, every bulletin that is folded, every meal that is made, and every child that is ministered to, every, every song that is sung, that we will do it with intentionality and purpose so that people would find You. And that's our heart's cry, Lord, for this church and this year of purpose. In Your name we pray. We all said, Amen.